It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Next is now. Well, as the $1.2 trillion bipartisan bill can has been passed out of the Senate, that uh, will work its way over to the House uh, where there's still a little bit of uncertainty. Also, the $3.5 trillion reconciliation <clears throat> bill, excuse me, is working its way along, will be written in the Senate. And as uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said today, uh, she's not going to do anything until both of those are uh, safely escorted across the building of the United States Capitol into the House chamber so they can do both of those uh, at the same time. Uh, there are clearly some things uh, within the uh, $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that are baked in that are a benefit to Utah. Mara Carbello joins us. Uh, of course, she's the founder and president of the Exoro Group, uh, one of those unique organizations that really gets it in terms of communication, policy, and strategy. I'm just going to say that's a rare combination in the world today. And uh, Mara, thanks for making some time for us today. Nice to be here. <laughs> you, you've been uh, following the infrastructure bill very closely. You've been looking at the benefits uh, of that to the people of Utah. You've also got some new polling numbers around in terms of what Utahns really think about the bill. Give us uh, give us the backstory there. Yeah, uh, glad to be here because we have some hot off the press polling. So as you know, research is is good to designate a moment in time. And the Nature Conservancy uh, decided that they wanted to go ask 600 Utahns, actually a big sample, a couple of weeks ago, what they wanted to see in the package. And let me give you maybe the headline that was just came through so, so strongly, almost consensus, that Utah voters uh, definitely support an infrastructure package being passed. Um, we can go into some details later, but what the other indication that was so interesting is they actually had strong opinions about what should be in it. So mm. Utahns um, were tracking really in this poll shows they were tracking quite a bit and had opinions. Um, so maybe I'll share with you the, the list I'm going to share with you are, are, are choices that got over 77%. I mean, like these are rock star numbers. And Utahns said, hey, we want to upgrade and improve water infrastructure and storage, which Boy, in this year of drought, doesn't yeah. that make sense to all of us, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, they also, yeah, they also like the basics that we've been hearing, particularly the Republicans talk about, which is upgrading roads and bridges and rails. That was in the 90s as well. But then you start seeing the nation's cybersecurity infrastructure there, the country's electric grid, and then um, ensuring that more products are made in the U.S. and that we decrease mm. our dependence on foreign oil. That shows up. And then rounding out those who are in the 70s and higher is expanding and improving broadband. So um, they, they, we had strong opinions. I mean, again, the lowest on that list had 77% of Utahns saying they strongly want that in the bill. So we want a bill passed here, and we have some things we'd like to see in it for sure. Oh, that's fascinating uh, and great that you can drill down just, you know, so often we see these national numbers and, 
you can always say, well, okay, I, I know where those num- <laughs> those numbers came from New York and yeah. those came from Texas <laughs> and those are California. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's yeah. nice to get that perspective. Uh, really intriguing. We've been talking a little bit about uh, oil today and the president's mm-hmm. comments uh, around uh, OPEC, uh, encouraging them to, to pump more out at the same time, limiting some of the uh, things like things here in the state of Utah. Uh, as you looked at those numbers, anything interesting uh, in the numbers uh, that – that oil and oil production uh, would be part of that infrastructure bill. Yeah, so a couple of interesting things, and and they are going to sound uh, contradictory, but they're not, I think. One is we asked about protecting local oil jobs, and it was a little softer, but I think it was uh, maybe based on do we want the federal government coming Mm. in and and, uh, the way the – the question was phrased, is, do you want Congress to help with this? And I think a, a lot of us say, oh, we're good. <laughs> we don't need the congressional <laughs> help. But I will say let's talk about energy because yeah. Utah has been really forward thinking. So I want to – decreasing our dependence on foreign oil is really a high priority across the political spectrum in Utah. But then what becomes even more important is other um, clean energy yeah. choices. If you look at solar – hydropower, geothermal, and wind, uh, they are all in the 80% when you ask the question, would you support that energy type in Utah? So we really are uh, uh, an energy resource. The West is energy resource um, state, but we're also ready to look at a diversity of um, next generation energy. So I think we kind of bust against, this is what I love in Utah, is that we bust against traditional just stereotypes, right? Yeah. A, a party stereotypes because these clean energy, this climate initiative, I mean, we're really focused on climate if that's what you call water and wildfire and air quality and all these new fuels. Yeah. Um, we're really interested in being innovators in these areas. Yeah. And I, I think that's so important. And that's something I wish we could just blast to the nation more is that mm-hmm. it's you know, we end up with these fake fights and false choices on all of this. And, and it's really an and approach that we we can be energy independent and we can watch out for the environment and we can be careful stewards of the land and we can use these new technologies of wind and solar and all of the others. Uh, and, and if we could get everyone else to just say, look, it, it's not it's not this polar opposite battle that uh, we like to make, which is really great for fundraising for political parties sure. on both sides. Sure. Uh, but I think what you've tapped into is that Utahns see this in a in a little bit different way than most of the country does. Right. We are willing to talk about climate change, and yet we're willing to talk about it in a non-political way that really is about making the quality of life that we've come to expect um, a priority for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Mara, anything else uh, from your polling or things that you saw in terms of the infrastructure bill, things that are in there that uh, Utah see as a plus for us uh, moving it forward? So water, I mean, I'm, again, you can't say enough water infrastructure. In the, in the outlined agreement that Romney was central to, you see us finishing some major projects like the uh, Central Utah Project, you see some water infrastructure. Water storage, if this drought has told us anything, water storage is going to be, uh, has always been a key in the West. And then there's another little myth buster I'll drop you with. And we've asked some questions about, um, would you be willing to pay for this with with some carbon pricing or, you know, mm. some raising the taxes on the rich, or would you be willing to address climate change in your pocketbook? 
So the myth buster I'm going to put out there is the majority of Utahns, 55% and up would be my definition of majority. They're willing to have those conversations about not only the policy, but the payment part. Oh, that's so great. And we're going to have you come back and we're going to dig deeper on that one in the days and weeks ahead, because I think that is a crucial conversation in terms of how do we pay for it? What does it mean to our pocketbooks? What does it mean to the the wealthy? What does it mean to the poor and the most vulnerable among us? Uh, and how do we balance all of those out in terms of some of those fees and usage taxes and all of those kinds of things? But uh, Mara, we appreciate you chiming in today. Great data, as always. Love the fact that we've got some real Utah data to compare with the rest of the nation uh, on a real critical set of issues. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right, and that's Mara Carabello from Exoro Group. And uh, great numbers, great insight, great strategy uh, coming out of there always. And so some really interesting things there uh, in terms of Utah's perspective on infrastructure, what they're willing to pay for, what they think is important, uh, what they want the federal government to look at versus what we should be handling here in the state of Utah. And all of that's going to lead to some really fascinating conversations uh, coming up as this continues to march forward. Of course, uh, we've got the different tracks, the $1.2 trillion, the $3.5 trillion. Both of those uh, still have a rocky road ahead in the House. The $3.5 trillion reconciliation package still has a lot of work to be done in the Senate. We'll continue to monitor all of that for you here on KSL News Radio. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a bottom of the hour uh, break. When we come back, say it with me. We're number one. We are number one. And Forbes says so. Stick around to find out why. Coming up next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.